Then to Moses he said, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadav and Avihu, and the seventy elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Moses alone is to approach the Lord, but the others may not draw near, nor are the people to go up with him. So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord, as well as all the ordinances. All the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. Exodus 24, verses 1 through 4. podcast, we considered a very small sampling of the archaeological evidence that supports the historicity of the Torah of Moses and opens for us an inquiry into the question of whether or not the Torah is reliable history. Friends, welcome to Messiah and Life. Today, we will continue that investigation as well as consider other historical Uh, and archaeological information that helps us to affirm the Torah as written by Moses found in the canon of Scripture. So, as we considered previously, contrary to the critical argument, writing was used at the time of and really well before Moses would have written the Torah. The existence of writing and other archaeological support does not prove divine revelation, but what it does demonstrate is that Moses, as well as the other biblical authors who were inspired by the living God, were writing against a correct historical backdrop. And in many cases, they included material that was more than likely unknown to later generations outside of the biblical record. So, is Moses a strong candidate for Torah authorship? Well, recall the remarkable testimony of Stephen before the high priest and the Sanhedrin. He said of Moses that he was learned in all of the wisdom of Egypt and was mighty in words and deeds. Moses was clearly a man of wisdom and learning who was well positioned by the Lord to fulfill not only his role as a leader of Israel, but also as a scribe for the word of God. Consider five points that we can glean from the life story of Moses that would lead us to believe that he was really preeminently positioned and very well prepared to receive the revelation that we call the Torah. We would consider education, tradition, geographical familiarity, motivation, and time. Education, let's consider that point. Moses was trained in the disciplines of the royal court of Egypt, which included, of course, uh, knowledge of writing. How about tradition? Moses was aware that he was a Hebrew, and he most certainly knew and had knowledge of the traditional history of the Hebrew people and their experiences with the living God. He would have known of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the Lord's covenant promise to them. What about geographical familiarity? Well, Moses had a great uh, understanding of the geography and climate of 
not only Egypt, but also Sinai, as we read in the Torah. And by divine revelation, he had an accurate knowledge of the promised land itself. Well, what about motivation? Well, Moses led the children of Israel for 40 years. In order for Israel to endure, she had to have the moral and religious foundation that would shape and maintain a society. Moses possessed the motivation to ensure their continuation. He wanted to see them survive beyond his leadership, and we find that he was successful in that. And what about time? Well, as Moses led the children of Israel for 40 years through the Sinai wilderness, he would have, uh, this would have provided both the time and opportunity for him to write the Torah. So it's important for us to recognize that the Lord, as we see time and again in the Bible, prepares individuals to fulfill the purpose of his calling in their life. Moses is certainly one prominent example. The Apostle Paul is also an excellent example of preparation before assignment. Now, as we consider the authorship of Moses, we might also include the accurate detail that many historians and scholars had considered to be a myth of the Bible. And I'm not sure if how many of you might be aware of this, but the Hittites who are named in the Torah were considered to be by historians and uh, those who were in the school of higher criticism to be a myth. They were mythological. They weren't real. And that was evidence used against the historicity of the Bible itself. But what has been learned by archaeologists is that they've uncovered a civilization that was more than 1,200 years old. If you think about just how old the United States of America is in our living history, 1,200 years, if I might be slightly sarcastic, is only slightly longer than our uh, American history now. But that is the the, the the duration that is believed of the Hittite civilization. And how is this um, understood? Well, there is a, an expansive Hittite lab, library that was found in Turkey that spoke of their history, the history and the culture and the context of the Hittite people. And when we find this, it helps us to find confidence to believe the difficulties in the Bible that are not yet explained. And we can assume that there is, they're not there by mistake. Rather, we are simply lacking the confirmation through research and archaeological support. But we're getting there, and we get there time and again, and the Bible is affirmed once again. Think about the words of Dr. Joseph Free in a book called Archaeology and Higher Criticism. He explains that the Hittites were not a people who existed, but the Hittites were a significant people. And what he means by that is they just weren't like a small group of people or a very short-lived civilization, but they were a significant people who had an impact on their geographic region, on the history of the people groups that surrounded them as well. A civilization 
if you think about that, that was not known to historians. But then it was discovered to be real. And beyond that, it had, as I noted, a significant library that demonstrated an existence of 1,200 years. So if the Bible was a poor record of history and Moses did not write the Torah, how did later generations know to place this people group in the correct time frame? Hmm. So bearing this in mind, could there be other archaeological support, other archaeological evidence that demonstrates the validity of the biblical record and mosaic authorship of the Torah? Let's consider the, the Nuzi tablets. The Nuzi tablets were the social and legal code of the Hurrians who dwelled southwest of Nineveh. In the Bible, the Hurrians are identified as the Horites. And of the Nuzi tablets, S.H. Horn writes this, The discovery of a whole archive of legal and social texts at Nuzi, a small place in northeastern Iraq, has revealed that the social and legal background of the patriarchal age is reflected accurately and in great detail in the Old Testament patriarchal narratives. Let's also consider the Mari tablets. The Mari tablets were discovered on the middle Euphrates, and they shed tremendous light on the background of the patriarchal traditions and customs that are found in the book of Genesis. And on the importance of these tablets, Dr. William Albright writes this, Dosen and Jean are editing the thousands of tablets from Mari. Every new publication of theirs helps us to better understand the life and times of the Hebrew patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob no longer seem isolated figures, much less reflections of their later, of later Israelite history. They now appear as true children of their age, bearing the same names, moving about over the same territory, visiting the same towns, especially Haran and Nahor, practicing the same customs as their contemporaries. In other words, the patriarchal narratives have a historical nucleus throughout, though it is likely that the long oral transmission of the original poems and later prose sagas, which underline the present text of Genesis, has considerably refracted the original events. Now, in the previous podcast, we talked about the Ebla or Ebla tablets, and I want to add a little bit more to what we learn from them. As they shed light on the historical context of the Torah, and again, its historicity. So, here are just a few examples of the contents of the tablets in light of the biblical Torah record. We have place names. The Ebla tablets mention the city of Ur, Sodom, and Gomorrah. Also, they record the name of the pagan god Baal, or Baal, as found in the Bible. Now, to the creation account, the Ebla tablets contain the oldest known, the oldest known creation account outside of the Bible, predating the Babylonian account by 600 years. So, the Ebla tablets also account for a creation out of nothing, again, lining up with the biblical narrative. 
What about monotheism? The Ebla tablets demonstrate that monotheism did not evolve out of polytheism and dates much earlier than previously expected. And what of writing? Again, proponents of the documentary hypothesis have claimed that Moses could not have written the Torah because the Mosaic narrative predated all knowledge of writing. And of course, this has been demonstrated to not be the case. So from all of this archaeological evidence, we find that the social and cultural settings presented by the Torah are consistent with other people groups of the region to include groups that were once thought to be mythological. So even cities mentioned in the narrative of the life of Abraham, Shechem, Ai, Bethel, have demonstrated to be real places. And excavations of these sites have dated artifacts found there to Abraham's time, as suggested in the biblical record. William Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, wrote of the patriarchs, we can assert with full confidence that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were actual historical individuals. Now think of that. More than half the world's population today claims either natural or spiritual descendancy from Abraham. And as Dr. Bright said, we can say with great confidence that these were real, actual, historical people. So the Bible is and has been, and well, I should say continues to be, the most widely translated and read book in history, as well as being the best-selling book of all time. And that really is only in recent history. We're not even talking about ancient history because of the dissemination and the ability to print and reproduce the Bible, and especially now in the age of digital media and just how widespread and how accessible the Bible is, not only in the translation of native tongues, but also in the original languages of Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. That's remarkable. So it presents this picture of creation of history in eternity that really runs contrary to enlightened man who have attempted to burn it, to ban it, to prove that it is historically unreliable. But what we find time and again is that in every instance, the Bible remains as it is the word of God. So as we've considered the Torah as history, I wanted to focus on Mosaic authorship of the Torah because of its foundation as a foundational document for our biblical faith, as, a, as part of our textual tradition of what we've received, and how that leads us to faith and a deeper understanding of faith in Messiah Yeshua and who He is. So if the Torah is demonstrated to be false, heaven forbid, our hope then is shaken if, if not destroyed, because as Yeshua said, He, Moses, wrote of me. And this is why we have to inquire, seek out, why we have to have that curiosity that leads us to research, to understand, to perhaps investigate a, a verse that troubles us or a verse that seems contextually inconsistent, something. We go 
and, 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 and investigate in order to sort out and see where the problem is or has arisen because time and again we find that the biblical record given to us and preserved in the original languages is true, is truthful. So the statement, he wrote of me, Moses wrote of me, tells us that Moses has to be the author of the Torah. As Yeshua based his being, based his life, based his identity, based who he was on that truth. Because if there is no accurate historical Torah attributed to Moses that we can rely on, we have no accurate historical Yeshua of Nazareth. So it's easy for scholars to argue and present doubt publicly about details that they object to or suspect are an error. Nevertheless, I believe that we've considered enough at the moment to validate the historical the historical evidence that we have in Scripture, the historical names, the historical places, and so on, to set our minds at ease as we continue to move forward into our study of the Torah in this series, and to do so with confidence in His Word as presented in the biblical canon. It's been argued that archaeological evidence does not affirm divine revelation, and that point is true. Nevertheless, the affirmation of historical facts tells us that the authors, some 40 over a 1,500-year period, I've heard those exact um, stats used to refute the authenticity of the Word of God rather than affirming affirming it. So, the historical facts that are presented, that the authors present, to include the Torah of Moses, that they recorded accurately and truthfully their interactions with the living God against the backdrop of a correct, historically verifiable setting, helps us to set our minds at ease, to move forward in confidence in our study. So as we continue this examination, this consideration, this introduction into the Torah and Messianic faith, we can rest assured that its contents are accurate according to history and that according to the testimony of Messiah Yeshua, it contains true and divinely revealed information about worship, morality, and prophecy. We can be rest assured in that. And we see that the story of Yeshua, the record of Yeshua, the life of Yeshua was caught up in the record, the story of Moses as well. And as I've taught in different ti- at different times, the end of Moses was not in Deuteronomy 34, but rather in Matthew 17, as Moses stood face to face with Yeshua, the face he desired and so longed to see. All of this story that we find in Scripture is caught up in one story of God's revelation and God's redemptive history leading us to that time of the revelation of the New Jerusalem. May it come speedily and even in our days. Friends, I want to encourage you in a time of discouragement that the Word of God is reliable, the Word of God is true, and time again, time and again, the evidence, the archaeological evidence, demonstrates for us that over the broad sweep of literary 
uh, styles that we have, historical narrative, poetic device, and so on, that we have a beautiful revelation of God's Word to us that's meant to lead us to a deep and intimate relationship with the Son of God through the power of the Holy Spirit, by the calling of the Father of us to Himself. So I pray that encourages you today. And in next week, uh, next week's podcast, we'll go in a little bit different direction and consider the interpretive levels of the Torah according to rabbinic Judaism. I hope you stay tuned and I hope you tune in once again. It blesses my heart that you would spend time learning with me as we learn together because we have, my friends, a lot of Torah to learn. May the Lord bless you and keep you in the name of Yeshua Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.